Okay, here we go. We got a lot of uh, news that is happening, of course, with the election campaign, but we also have a lot of other political news that has us with many, many questions. And our next guest is a man with some of the answers and all of the questions. Tom Korski, Managing Editor of Black Locks Reporter. Tom Korski, happy Wednesday to you. Thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Arlene. All right, we got a, a pretty good uh, rundown here that we're going to talk together tonight. This story that you have about the senior manager that was in immigration, the Department of Im- Immigration, resigning for misappropriation of funds in these, uh, what they term, sweetheart contracting. It's something, Tom, this story, and I'll, I'll let you go through some of the details, but this is one of the things that makes voters and the public cynical when they look at where the where the political money goes to, where the taxpayers' money goes to, and they wonder if it's a fair deal. What do we it, know it, about it, how, what happened here? It, it is unacceptable, Arlene. This is the Department of Immigration reporting only because they have to under an act of parliament that a senior manager and director, that's pretty high up, abruptly resigned while under investigation for misappropriation, sweetheart contracting, gave a contract to a company in which he had a financial interest, and was frog-marched out of the building. No names, no names of the contractor. Why is this a problem? Well, it's been established for years that when you have sole-sourced contracting, that means someone has the secret handshake, and they get the phone call, and they get the work. There's no way for taxpayers to know if they're getting value for money. It makes for very expensive government, and some people get rich. It's not fair to honest contractors. It's a dishonest, corrupt practice, and there's no excuse for it. It's very easily solved. You know why we know this? There's an act called the Public Servants Disclosure Protection Mm -hmm. Act. And it was passed uh, back in 2006 in one of these wave of reform bills. And uh, how cynical is this? It says if you are an honest employee in the government of Canada and you see monkey business in your office, you should be able to report that without fear of reprisal, getting fired or being disciplined. That's the only reason we know about this, because someone stepped forward and said, this is wrong. It has to stop. Arlene, it's not stopping. I don't know why. And why don't we know about it? You know, part of the story I I see is the, the corruption probe is being disclosed, but we don't know the names here. Is it important to know individual names How else will we ever solve the problem? You know, I don't think Ottawa needs more rules. This problem of sweetheart contracting, and billions have gone out the door in this pandemic, it's very easily resolved, and that is to name names, name and shame. Say that John Doe of 555 Ocean Parkway doesn't work here anymore because he gave a sweetheart contract and tried to get rich on public service. If you do that four or five times, all the rats will get the message. You know, there was an excellent committee report. It was endorsed by members of all party caucuses four years ago that said that Public Servants Disclosure Protection Act, it should be even tougher. There should be more protection for whistleblowers, and it should apply to federal contractors. And you know what Cabinet did with that report? Nothing. That report could not have been buried deeper. They they buried that so deep in the woods, Arlene, they wanted to make sure no one ever saw it again. 
You know, the other story we're going to talk about is something that's already surfaced a couple of times. As we know, the discovery of the unmarked graves in in certain parts across Canada, the residential schools, and we know that that equipment and scientific investigation is is traveling to a city near you and me. Well, while this was happening, there was a a lot of criticism that the federal government was still spending a lot of money and was still going on with this litigation against some of the former students. And now, because of access to information records, we find out it's very true, and taxpayers' dollars is going towards it. And very significant dollars. Arlene, there have been uh, enough federal court-certified Uh, settlements with former students of Indian residential schools, where students who attended these schools uh, received oftentimes compensation of about $10,000, $10,000 each. Whatever you think of that money, that is nothing for spending in the Department of Justice. We see through access to information in one case involving one school in Ontario that closed in 1976, the Department of Justice has spent now in the neighborhood of $4 million fighting compensation claims. Their billings last winter came to $15,400 a week. It would be cheaper to fire those lawyers in the Department of Justice and just give the money to the students. Uh, don't get me started on billable hours and the Department of Justice. This has been a long-standing criticism. There was even a House motion, and it passed the House of Commons before it adjourned for the summer. And the majority of MPs said to the Department of Justice, stop it. Stop the sociopathic nitpicking, this endless litigation with these people that you are going to settle with anyway. Uh, I know it's not like a formal apology or a smudge ceremony. It's not about the eagle feather or the performative tactics about how uh, reconciliation with Indigenous people is job one. Not at the Department of Justice, Arlene. Not there. Why do you think it's happening? Because it was being questioned, as you said. It just didn't seem to make sense. Is it because it's hard to turn around the Queen Mary and it takes a while? Is it because of bureaucracy and you've got to go through certain channels? Or is it stubbornness, Tom? I think it's all those things. But, you know, the the overarching theme is no one's in charge. The Department of Justice has no real uh, active minister who runs that department. That hasn't happened in years. With all due respect to the last two former uh, ministers of justice, no one runs that department. So you have a building filled with 600 lawyers with all the arrogance that is uh, inherent in that profession, with apologies to all my lawyer friends. Some of them are just great people. But it is an ego-driven profession. And you add in the uh, lack of supervision, lack of accountability, and exposure for wrongdoing, and put in endless money. And this is what you wind up. This is why Indian land claims take 29 years, (laughs) Arlene. That's not an exaggeration. There have been cases that have gone on for 29 years. That's what happens when you have lawyers billing by the hour. 
All right. And the other story, too, we heard a little bit about, but now we have an idea that the rumble had roots, may I say. At the beginning of the pandemic, when we were told not to wear masks because there was a shortage of them, we kind of all assumed, didn't we, Tom, that the government was scrambling to find more personal protective equipment. We were told they were. Every day when the prime minister came out of his cottage. Well, now we have information that they didn't. They waited until it was an official pandemic. And many of most of Canada did not realize it took so long. And we have questions here. Why did it take so long? Inexplicable. There have been suggestions in this campaign that there ought to be a federal inquiry into pandemic mismanagement. I don't know how they avoid it, given the cost, the deaths and the financial losses that resulted as a result of what can only be described as incompetence. You know, Dr. Chan, the chief public health officer, uh, came out uh, in January 20th, 2020, so that's pretty early innings, and said to reporters, be vigilant, be prepared, we're watching this business that's going on in Wuhan, we're on top of it. She, earlier from January 2nd, 2020, very important date, first convened a council of medical officers of health right across the country. Be prepared, be vigilant. We now see through internal emails from that period until the World Health Organization declared a global pandemic and even days after the number of masks that were purchased by the public health agency was zero. They're in charge of masks. They were mandated by Parliament. This was their job, job one, run the stockpile, keep the mask warehouse. No one checked out the warehouse. No one placed a single order for a mask. Be prepared, they said. They couldn't buy a single mask, Arling. Yeah, yeah, I I don't see how this trail is not unearthed further along here. Because we're in an election campaign right now that the Liberals hope to win because they they hoped in their mind that Canadians felt that they got the country through this. But these stories don't do them any favors. It's, it's no favors. And these are legitimate questions. We always say in the newsroom, everything comes out eventually. It's only a question of time. And sometimes it can take a long time. But... When we look at the pandemic story that everyone has lived dreadfully for the last year and a half or more, did it have to be this bad? Did it have to be that expensive? Was it really that complicated to order a mask? Was it really reaching for the stars for the public health agency to do back at the office what they professed publicly that they would do, which was be prepared. Why was it so complicated for them? Now, they say today, well, we just didn't have the money, doggone it. We just didn't have the budget, Arlene. And it's not true. They were fully funded. They had a budget of $675 million. We see internal emails where they confirm they had all the money they ever asked of Parliament. There were no cutbacks in pre-pandemic years at the public health agency, and they still didn't get it right. Tom Korski, Managing Editor of Black Locks Reporter. Tom, have a great night. Thank you for this. We appreciate it. Thank you, Arlene. For Alex Pearson, I'm Arlene Bynum. This is On Point, Global News Radio.